Welcome to Influencer Business, where influencers get help with the hard stuff. Think of us as your business Bible. We're a team of influencers and entrepreneurs dedicated to bringing professional resources and infrastructure to our community. I'm Rich Scudelari, CEO of Trove. I'm an entrepreneur focused on helping influencers run and grow their businesses with the resources and information they need. I host this podcast as well as a live webinar called Office Hours, which takes place every Wednesday. Here, I dig deeper into each weekly topic and answer all of your most pressing questions. Our weekly podcast features guests from across the professional landscape, sharing their experiences and advice and answering questions from the Trove community, which you can submit on our website at www.trovebusiness.com. Welcome back to Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Gudelari. Great to have you here with us today. We have an awesome episode lined up for you. We're sitting down with two of our favorite influencers, Olivia Rink and John Philip Thompson. We're going to talk about location and the impact that it has on your ability to build an influencer business. So quick background on our guest. First of all, Olivia Rink. She's originally from South Bend, Indiana, and she got her start on the influencing path via her blog where she was talking about petite fashion. It has since grown into a platform where she shares pieces of her everyday life everything from home decor, personal stories, daily outfits, and her faith. On the other hand, we have John Philip Thompson, who's originally from Dallas, Texas. He got his start as a photographer and a model, and it has since grown into what is now the RiskyJackal.com, a website which is geared towards helping guys feel great in accessible clothing and providing tips, tricks, and inspiration for travel. Both of them just moved to New York from Chicago about seven months ago, so we're going to sit down and talk to them about what that process has been like, the pros, the cons, and what it takes to build an influencer business no matter where you are in the country. So without any further ado, I'd love to welcome Olivia and John to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today on Influencer Business. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having Olivia and I. Thank you. We're excited to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. So you guys uh, have the distinction of being our first episode with two guests, not one, but two guests. Oh, wow. Wow. So, Honored. Yeah. Going to go down in history as uh, a big moment. Um um, but let's jump right into it. So you both moved to NYC recently and to live here full time. What precipitated that move? Was it business? Was it personal? How did how did that come about? Um, I, I think, yeah, so we just moved here to New York in September. So it's been about eight months. Um, and for me, it was professional, but it's also pretty personal just because uh-huh. I honestly, probably three or four years ago, I mentally just told myself like, all right, living in New York is one of those things that I need to do before I die and want to experience. And um, back when I was freelancing and was a photographer, I was, um, and when I would come here for work, I would literally like, I remember sitting in a coffee shop in West Village researching nine to five jobs just because I was like, (laughs) what I'm doing, I can't sustain life here as a freelance photographer at this level, but I'm willing to go back to the desk to work here in New York. So, mm-hmm. and that was probably three or four years ago. So I was willing to go back to a desk and um, just trying to get here to, you know, kind of Any whatever way cost. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. What about you, Olivia? So unlike John, New York was never in the plans for me. I love Chicago and um, I just wanted to stay there. But uh, I found a boyfriend. Oh, you found one. <laughs> so it does have a little <laughs> bit to do with love, but uh-huh. um, we met and I was living in Chicago. He was living in New York and okay. we did long distance for two years. Got it. And uh-huh. it just got to a point where it was too tough after two years. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been visiting New York the whole time. For sure. Over yeah. two years, going back mm-hmm. and forth, getting meetings when I was here, meeting people, networking, and 
Um, so eventually I realized this was the place to be for sure. personal and for business. So that's awesome. Yeah, my move. wife and I did long distance New York to California for two years. It's no, it's oh, no yeah. fun. That's yeah. no joke. With a time you, difference. Yeah, and you start yeah. to figure out really quickly how you can make it work. Yeah, <laughs> if you city. want to, you can make right. it work. of course, yeah. yeah. Did you guys coordinate your move at all? Um, no, and I, so I've been kind of gunning for New York the last two years, like, hard. And okay. I remember both Olivia and I were here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, was that Fashion Week? Mm-hmm. So she was here for, for Fashion Week, and I was here, I think, shooting an event. And we met up for coffee at Starbucks because we both kind of had, like, a free window in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, isn't it just the best? Like, we, you got to get, <laughs> like, we got to get here. Like, you got to come because I was set on it. And yeah. I remember she was like, you cannot pay me a million dollars to cut. <laughs> Is that like- true? So true. I yeah. mean, I was so just, I was stuck in the mind frame of I was happy where I was at. Yeah. And I didn't realize the opportunity that was in New York. Okay. Yeah. And so it took a lot of circumstances and events leading up to the move, but um, John played a big part in the move. <laughs> <laughs> but it, timing-wise, it honestly, like, I was, I was moving. I had ended my lease in New York and or in Chicago, and I was moving to New York. And yeah. it kind of just worked out that Olivia was, like, yeah. lease-wise, like, everything just kind of, like, lined up. So she was vulnerable. She was she was open to suggestions. I was. Well, I think her who had a who had a bigger who had a bigger impact here, your boyfriend or John? John was like the thing that pushed me over the edge. Like I was pretty much ready to make the move and uh-huh. I was committed. But John being like, Hey, let's do this together, I was like, Okay, this is a no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> my boyfriend and my best friend. So yeah. it was That's great. Yeah. So it it was kind of serendipitous and I, I think just moving to New York in the first place is is hard. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people think there's like kind of this barrier to entry, just trying to find an apartment, trying to find roommates. Yeah, you know, that logistics right. and um, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, right? Yeah, right. yeah. So talk about it from a business perspective, because you were working on it for three or four years. It sounds like yeah, actively for two perhaps, uh, and you obviously were thinking about it a lot. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the, from a business perspective the preparation that went into that and the thought process behind all that. Yeah. And I, I am a believer of everything happens like when it needs to. And mm-hmm. I, for me, the intention was there and I was coming here um, about once a month for work in general. So I had gotten to, gotten to know quite a few people in the industry here in New York. And every time I would come, I would leave and get back to Chicago and start missing New York more and more. So right. I, I knew that, I just needed to kind of start manifesting and trying to get to New York. And for me, and I feel like we'll touch on this maybe later, but staying in Chicago was beneficial, Mm -hmm. um, I think, for the last two years or so. Uh But it kind of got to a point where I realized that me staying in the Chicago market had kind of maxed out. Or it was Mm -hmm. making the move was kind of the next Next. At the same time, you said I was looking at nine to five jobs because I need to make ends meet. So when you when you think about that move to New York, what did you kind of have to do, you know, over those three three to four years to get to the point where you could make it and live a decent lifestyle? Yeah, right? well, be able to pay the bills and whatnot. Yeah, well, financially, I definitely had to be making more. So mm-hmm. that, and luckily, with over over those two or three years, I was making more income, mm-hmm. um, and it seemed feasible. And at least with the sense that. Hopefully, with by moving to New York, there would be new business opportunities. Right. It finally was worth it. Olivia, what about you? What are the what are some of the things that you thought about leading up to the move, mm-hmm. uh, vis-a-vis your business? 
I was so, like I said, comfortable in Chicago, and that is where I established my business because right. I'm from South Bend, Indiana, mm-hmm. which is not too far from Chicago. Right. And so moving to Chicago was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. My friends were there, and um, it was just a place. I always wanted to live there. So yeah. that made sense for me, and it went really smoothly. Yeah. I transitioned to Chicago when I became um, a full-time blogger. So sure. that's when I moved there and started mm-hmm. just completely f- freelancing. Yeah. Um, so that was great, and I loved it. Uh, there was just still a part of me that felt like I needed to branch out a little more. Okay. But that didn't come till you know, mm-hmm. right before moving to New York. And did you get some of that kind of that feeling from visiting New York and from seeing what you know was going on here and and talking to John about it? Yeah, and John and I always talk about this. It's just the in-person connections that you make yeah. in New York that you just don't really make anywhere else. Yeah, um, it's funny. The, 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 the world has moved completely to technology, but nothing replaces kind of those in-person yeah. meetings and the connection that you can develop with somebody by looking them in the eye and yeah. chatting with them. And it honestly makes it more rare and more special because right. everyone's you know glued to their phones and right. talking via text. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, that plays such an important role. Right. right. Yeah. So part of it is just being where the brands and the retailers and the companies that you work with are. That's half the battle. It oh, yeah. Like. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and the PR firms, because uh, yeah. these are mm-hmm. the people who are pitching you. You need right. you, you need to make the connection because there are so many bloggers. There are so many influencers. And right. they're going to remember you when they meet with you in person because they mm-hmm. feel like they know you. Right. And then that's where you'll get the jobs through connections like that. Right. Because at the end of the day, as much as analytics drive everything, ultimately when a job comes up and a PR agency is, is looking at potential influencers, what they're going to remember are those in-person interactions and the people that they really like as opposed to the numbers that they see. Uh, yeah. You know? I mean, I, I've had people on the, on the other side say, like, it makes such a difference. Like, if someone's pleasant to work with and, and a nice person, right. they'll pick that person mm-hmm. over someone with a bigger following, like, mm-hmm. every time. So why couldn't you get that in Chicago? Why did you feel like New York offered you more opportunity in that regard? I mean, there there definitely are big agencies in Chicago and there definitely are a few brands in Chicago, but... I mean, if we're just looking at the big picture, like almost every single brand, almost every single company is based in New York or has a presence in New York, um, just based on a, an events on a weekly basis. Like, yeah. I mean, sheer number of people too, right? Oh, yeah. How many? 10 million people in Manhattan, yes. right? In yeah. general. Yeah. But let's take a step back and like, can somebody build a business when you're not in LA or New York? Totally. 100%. Like I swear that Chicago helped build my business. Yeah. Those were my Midwest girls. Mm -hmm. I could relate to them. They could relate to what I was posting. And, you know, it's not New York or or LA, but it was still like a place where I felt at home and I felt comfortable and I was thriving in the environment I was living in. So I was happy and I loved the content I was producing there. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like when you feel happy and at home at the city where you're creating content and you're going to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. But did you feel like you had started to hit a ceiling the way, same way John did? Not necessarily. No. I feel like I could have kept going and riding the Chicago mm-hmm. train and I could have kept going in that direction because we always talk about it. Chicago is not very saturated with bloggers. So like Mm-mm. if you are no. blogging in Chicago, yeah. you are the one people are going to for the jobs if they're looking yeah. for to reach the Chicago market. That's right. I think Chicago actually probably trails Dallas in terms of blogger oh, yeah. saturation. Yeah, yeah I agree. Know? And for sure in the men's space. The men's space is not saturated in general, but... <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. But in yeah. Chicago, and that's kind of how and why I even got into doing all this right. because... Um, 
in in 2016, two of my favorite menswear shops closed. Really, and this was kind of in like the full swing of like menswear, right? Yeah, and bonobos and you know all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And I was I was kind of looking around like, all right, the only place to go for like good clothes is Nordstrom. Yeah, you know, which mm-hmm. is which isn't a bad. Like I love Nordstrom, but no, like but to, that, you want that to be the only option, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and there was just kind of no voice for men mm-hmm. in Chicago, but like really the Midwest. So sure. that's kind of why I've said I'm from Texas, but I've been here for five years, so I might as well, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get into it. But yeah, so I think that location definitely, like, you don't have to be in LA or New York, and I almost think it's at this point it may be beneficial if you're not because right. you kind of stand out as being a gateway to a different city that sure. people aren't seeing on a regular basis. You say that but at the same time here you are, right? You say it's almost beneficial not to be in LA and New York yet you here you are. So maybe let's let's break it down a little bit. What stage of your career, right? Is is you know because you're on you have a following, you've got some momentum, so maybe it makes sense for you to be here. But if you're at an earlier stage, Right. Do you think you'll have more success maybe outside of New York and L.A.? I think I needed to go to New York to, for personal reasons to branch out, to be able to like step beyond what I know and to push me a little bit out of my comfort zone. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was necessarily to like gain a bigger audience. Sure. Because I feel like I had that like tight knit group of girls in Chicago. But sure. New York was a personal thing for me where sure. I needed to get out of my comfort zone. Sure. On, on the personal side and the business side, right. it sounds like. Right. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. What about you? In, when you think about, take a blogger who or influencers just starting out, yeah. right? Versus somebody who's built a nice following, has real momentum. Would you advise them differently um, in terms of location? At this point, I think it's better. Or I think you have a better, not a better chance, because honestly, like new blood is always welcomed. And right. I think people are think that there's this barrier to entry and there's already it's too saturated. But right. honestly, like there's, you know, the pool, everyone that's in the pool has been in there for a while. And when someone else comes in, like it's it shakes things up. It's hopefully it's a good right. overall. So, I wrote an article about this and I, you know, you don't open Netflix and check out a new show that your friend recommended and say, ah, there are too many good shows. I'm not going to watch this next one. No, if it's good, you'll watch it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If somebody's producing good content, it doesn't matter if they're new or they're old, you're going to look at it. Exactly. As long as, you know, the content that they're creating is different and, you know, very them. And Mm -hmm. so I I think it more depends on the person and their situation than kind of this either or which Mm -hmm. city. um, I think it's all just kind of situational on how they... City plays a huge part, but it really comes down to the content that you're producing. Yeah, no, completely agree. Let's jump a little bit to your actual move to New York. So two questions. One... What was easier from a business perspective than you expected? And then two, what was harder from a business perspective than you expected? Olivia, let's start with you. Um, So what was easier for me was the human connection, like we said. Um, Just meeting in person with people, with brands, getting to meet them, them getting to hear my story. Um, I think definitely the in-person connection with the brands and also with the other bloggers was Mm -hmm. great. Just the community is great. And then something for me that was harder was trying to get my followers used to, to the idea of me living in New York. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Have you seen your followers change, the demographics change? Have you seen, you know, some of your Midwest followers say, uh, this is not for me anymore? Like, talk to us a little bit about that. I have. Um, that's got to be challenging. It's always evolving as I'm evolving with my content. So originally, when I first moved here, I think it was kind of like, whoa, where did that... I didn't know you were moving. Because <laughs> right. it was. It was kind of a surprise to me, too. Sure. And I think my followers kind of 
sense that too. So they yeah. may be confused. And I do think my content got a little super editorial looking, which is, okay. I love that part of my mm-hmm. business. But yeah. also I think the Midwest girls, it was hard for them to relate to. Yeah. And if you haven't, you got to check out Olivia's photos. They are phenomenal. Like the one that you did you. with uh, out the window with the skyline in the background, oh, yeah. like how it's just uh, incredible. Did you take that, or was that uh, your? In the, was that the one in the cab? No. Oh, I'm sorry. It was no. It was in your home. You're looking out the window. We just see the reflection. Oh yeah. Off the, I was. Yeah. yeah that, thank you. Some, um, but that's a huge. Shit. Thank you. That's <laughs> a huge part of my business. I love right. the creativity behind photos, but and sometimes and the brands love it too. They love it. Yeah. And that's what gives me a lot of purpose in what right. I do because mm-hmm. I just have a great photographer. We work really hard together to create um, compelling images that tell stories. But sure. I had to also make sure I was staying true to myself. Yeah. And you not, can be both, right? And yeah. so I had to um, just dial it back a little bit and uh oh interesting okay yeah i dialed it back a little bit and kind of focused more on my writing recently uh, okay. which is kind of like the bread and butter to why mm-hmm. i started so cool. it's just a combination of those yeah. two things so kind of trying to find the fit Definitely. if you will you're you're moving into a different phase in your life you want to bring your followers along but they have certain expectations right, right. it's an interesting line to straddle because there's a certain amount of it that you know you want to bring them along but at the same time you have to open yourself up and try new things as well. Totally. What about you, John? What was easier and what was harder than you expected from the business side? Um, I feel like because I already had a network of friends here, guys in the industry, and also agencies that I had worked with right. in years past. And like, I think literally the week I moved here, I was already going to events and I was kind of like plugged into that whole sure. circuit. Yep. Um, so that definitely was pretty great and seamless. Also, one thing, it's like, I don't think either Olivia and I realized, like, we both knew we'd be working from home and probably working together, but, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we realized how much we'd be attached to the hip. Like, we yeah, really that said, roommate situation got real quick. Yeah. yeah. Real. <laughs> and yeah. it's, that's made it so easy and, yeah. and so much fun because mm-hmm. we're both sitting at the table and sometimes we're hours just typing and not even talking. But then, I mean, sure. it's so, I've never had a coworker and this is my coworker. <laughs> yeah. And I, I used to say this about photography, but photography is kind of a lonely sport. Like you're kind of, especially when you're working and doing everything yourself Mm -hmm. and same with blogging. Like, yes, there are a lot of events and things, but at most 90, 80% of the day and your time is spent, you know, solitary confinement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's been so great to have Olivia there just as a soundboard. I'm like, perk up and say, Hey, this person wants to do this. Doesn't that sound so weird? Or, you know, (laughs) do you want to like, it's so nice. And it's It's great to also have, Someone like she'll get invited to events and like bring me as her plus one, and then I'll mm-hmm. get invited to events and bring her as my plus one, and we kind of just like sure. tag team it, and it's been so easy and so fun. But you both work on different sides of the industry, obviously the men's side and the mm-hmm. women's side. Let's talk a little bit about the differences there, because obviously you're going to events with each other. Is there any cross pollination there in terms of benefits? We just we just shot our first yeah campaign together. I, wasn't that our first actually, thing we yeah. ever did? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Well, We've done other things in the past, but this was the first time they specifically reached out to us to do it together. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that was fun. Um, it was little summer sandal for DSW oh, cool. campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at least been the only cross-pollination in the sense of like work. Sure. I guess. But I will say that John is my biggest cheerleader. <laughs> and anytime he is with a at a brand meeting or with a PR person, he's always plugging me in, hey, my roommate is... Yeah, well, I'm like... <laughs> 
have you seen my have you seen my roommate? She's so cute. She's so small. You, you should do something with her. Like that's and I, I'm that's just that's I'm not trying to plug her. That's just me being like sounds I love like, her. And sounds I'm just, like that should be on your business card. So cute. So small. Trademark. Yeah. I, but I do the same thing for John. I mean, yeah. it, whenever it's a company that has you know both male and female. Right. Um, Sides to it, I always plug him in, and um, mm-hmm. I want him to get Personal a little piece PR of the pie. Yeah. 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 yeah, you guys are doing it all. That's <laughs> great. What is one thing when you moved from a business perspective to New York that you didn't expect or you didn't see coming? Is there anything that surprised you? Um, we, we kind of it was. I guess this is a pro and a con. Mm-hmm. Um, like the events, like we were talking about um, in Chicago. Honestly, there would be we really didn't go to events because there would be like one every like month that was like really worth going to or like you know there are brand brand, chicago's what the fifth or sixth biggest city in the u.s i thought it was like third or fourth yeah i don't i mean i don't know there's some surprises out there like san jose is really big okay you know yeah but yeah but you would assume that more events would be happening no 100 and there there i guess there would be kind of like random events happening on a tuesday or a monday but like not the same focused influencer type and not to the same Mm -hmm. level that the events are here yeah yeah Yeah. they're a little over the top sometimes yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it it being a great thing that, you know, now we're have all these events and go to all these events. But at the same time, it's like, oh, in Chicago, I would be like working until like 10 or 11. So now my right, whole night balance. is like, you can't, it's kind of like being two places in once here. You can't yeah. be going to events and going, being out and about and then also working. Yeah. So that, I that like, is what hit me so hard was the balancing act yeah. between events and in-person meetings and also the back end yeah. of keeping your business going and the writing could, yeah. and the admin and you could spend that. your whole day in oh, meetings the whole day yeah calls meetings events. but i could yeah. also spend the whole day on emails and, and writing, creating and, and mocking things yeah, up and, and, and shooting it's yeah. a good day it's a good day when you get to the bottom of your inbox that is for sure right. but yeah it's that's impossible are you both zero inbox people or are you not? Or are you guys, you are, let's, you definitely let's, are. Let's have you John guess. Is, John is definitely zero <laughs> inbox. Olivia is not. Oh my gosh, but I try. I can really do try. Can we look right try. now and see? What, <laughs> can we look? Okay, I have four since oh, I've no, been no, no. here. We're not doing numbers. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. Greater, I, re- I really try. I'm not as four. fast as John. John is very like efficient mm-hmm. and quick he's just he's quick he's good he actually when we're working in the kitchen he will put what's it called a oh yeah the, uh, just little oh you have a time it's, block it's a 15 minute like sand oh you have a sand timer, timer. Yeah. a sand timer and he'll be like all right go we're doing emails and That's i amazing. just immediately panic because i just i don't know what it is i need to be more efficient with emails i guess i'm just not quick i i'm a perfectionist oh for sure yeah and so that is what slows me down a lot of the mm-hmm. time. So um, I'm learning from him on that. It's it's a tough balance to strike because there's a time when you need to be really thoughtful and perfectionist yeah. and there's a time when you just need to get it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> but but this- I have been really good at focusing on DMs on Instagram, uh, okay. yeah. which is a whole nother ball game. Oh, yeah. Because yes, you have mm-hmm. your emails, but then you have your DMs, which are your readers. And that's so important. Yeah. And it's really, I have been focusing on that over the last um, few months more than I ever have. And it's made me so much happier yeah. just to connect with my readers that way and to spend more time on it. And right. I think in turn, it's made them oh, more connected. Sure. 100%. Yeah. So New York was not actually your first move to a big city to build a career, right? You guys both came from uh, different places to land in Chicago, right? Talk to us a little bit about the difference. Obviously, it was earlier in your careers, but talk to us a little bit about the differences uh, for moving to a, to a place like Chicago versus moving to a place like New York? How, do, how is it different from a business perspective? Well, for me, I guess I wasn't really, 
I moved to Chicago from Texas. I'm originally from Dallas and moved in 2012. And I kind of the same thing. I, I knew I wanted to be in Chicago, but I didn't really know or care what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. This is my first job out of college. And I found this job that was literally like stars aligned, like thought it was a joke. It was tailor fit for me, but it was a, um, a job in PR communications. And it was for a kind of a food nutrition geared agency that all of our clients were food companies or commodities. Um, and I went to school and did um, public policy and political science. And it was kind of like the government and to the, like the food industry. So everything sure. the USDA and the FDA mm-hmm. was doing that how that affected our clients. And I was like geeking out. I thought it was so cool. And half of our staff were registered dietitians, but it was like, I was like the bottom feeder. Like sure. the next person older than me was 12 years older. And this was like, I'm 22. Like everyone is going, getting drinks and happy hour with all their like mm-hmm. coworkers, you know. That they've up. known for five to 10 years. No, no, no. Uh, I'm just saying like all my friends, my age. Oh, your friends. Like your they're age. in these oh, okay. jobs that they have other coworkers uh, there. Yeah. And all my peers lived in the burbs and had four kids. And- <laughs> <laughs> I learned I learned so much from that and I didn't really learn much like Twitter was a thing Instagram like yeah, had early just days. become a thing yeah. um but nothing we did was like to consumer and at least in the PR world nothing really overlapped with what I'm doing now right. but I learned so much from just the admin mm-hmm. part of like how to like function and mm-hmm. um yeah so I was there for two and a half years and then quit and that whole time it was like so creatively unfulfilling and I had been shooting a lot, and I had been going to night class for photography, um, and made friends with a lot of photographers that were freelancing and doing their having their own business. So um, I went to my mom, and dad, and I was like, "I it's been almost three years, and I kind of hate this job now, and I want to quit and do full full time photography." And they were like, "Okay," and I was like, "Oh." Um, you're not going to fight me on this? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I had like six months until right. kind of mentally prepare and had to fight them for six months, but. Mm-hmm. Um, they were supportive and they said, you know, if that's what you want to do, go do it. So um, I, I, I did that for like two and a half years. and Because social media at that time, I mean, Facebook had just gone public in 2012. Like, yeah. I think they went public like end of 2011 or yeah, 2012. spring 2012. Yeah, something like that. So like this is early days. Like we're still in the early days of social media. I mean, cars have been around since yeah. God knows how long, right? Social media has only been around for less than a decade. So, I mean, we're early days now. That was early, early days. Yeah. Right. So for me, when I moved to Chicago, it was right out of college. Um, I had an Instagram, but it wasn't at all what yeah. the landscape of Instagram wasn't what it is now. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything in the in the blog or influencer space because mm-hmm. that, that wasn't even really a space back then. All those photos then. are probably archived at this point. Oh, no. I've got oh, them no, all they're up. Great. Oh, you do? I got nothing to hide. You oh, guys got to go look. Yeah. That's amazing. I know a lot of people have archived their photos. They're great. <laughs> Pulling them up now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so it, it was a totally different time when I moved to Chicago. And for me, that was a, a personal move as well. I just right. like, I had never been there. I had no friends there, but I knew that I just wanted to be there. It's interesting. Yeah. And I, I thought I'd be there for like a year or two. And I ended up being up there for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but also when I moved to New York, it was also, I had been wanting to also. And I kind of just, everything clicked and it just felt right. So, in both ways, like career-wise, I was in totally different places in my life. But yeah. for both of those big decisions, they felt so right that I never mm-hmm. questioned them and mm-hmm. never. Um, it, it almost kind of freaked me out how I didn't. Yeah, didn't. You just made this huge move, and you're like, "No, nah, it feels normal. Like, yeah. I'm not going to worry about yep. it too much." People agonize over things like that, and you're just like, "Huh, it'll work." Yeah, yeah. 
And then that's why it also kind of took me two or three years to get to New York. I, like I knew I wanted to, but mm-hmm. it just was all about timing and it's really interesting. And kind of getting there. Yeah, my wife and I had a similar experience. We were living in San Francisco right after I graduated from business school, building our company, and uh, we were here in New York for Fashion Week, and we went to some one of these parties, right? And we just did exactly what you guys were saying. Saw everybody in person, had a great time, and I said, "Listen, if this is going to work, we need to be here." You know, San Francisco's great, but there's just been a mass exodus of all fashion and lifestyle bloggers from mm-hmm. San Francisco. You know, not all, but a lot. And it's just not the same, you know, not as nearly as many events. And it just happened. And 30 days later, we were in New York. Wow. So slightly different. We didn't take perhaps as much time to think it through as you did <laughs> and prepare. We just kind of said, all right, we're picking up and moving. But sometimes it just works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? So moving to Chicago, that was when I went full-time with my blog for mm-hmm. the first time. And Had you had a job before that? I had. I mm-hmm. was um, a wedding dress stylist. Mm-hmm. I was selling oh, wedding okay. dresses. Nice. And then I worked as an interior design stylist. Nice. Yeah. So you got to Chicago in what year? So I moved to Chicago in 2000, ooh, 2016. Okay. And when I moved there, it was time for me to build you know, I was yeah. building Starting Instagrams. from scratch, basically? Or? Um, so I had developed over... So cheerleading in college is really what established my Instagram following. That's oh, when okay. Instagram really started. And sure. so I built this following of cheerleaders mm-hmm. all over the country who were following along because I cheered at the University of Kentucky, which is the best cheerleading program in the nation. Yeah. And so I Humble had... Humble brag. <coughs> <coughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, so I had these followers and I was blogging about petite fashion. Okay. And all of my cheerleaders, or most of my cheerleaders, were short girls. You know, right, yeah. I'm four mm-hmm. eleven, mm-hmm. so uh, I had a lot of five foot and under followers. And sure. So they were really relating to my fashion posts, which mm-hmm. is what launched my business initially. Cool. Okay. So then I created the website. Was doing that for a while, but also like moonlighting it while I was doing my other full time job. Sure. Um, Got it. And then when I finally realized I could quit my job and freelance full-time or mm-hmm. blog full-time. I moved to Chicago because that's what I always wanted to do. Okay. So moved to Chicago and that really that entire two years was just building and being consistent and creating mm-hmm. content and not even really knowing what the goal was, uh, okay. but just moving forward and posting content. And I loved it. I loved creating and I loved reaching my followers and providing inspiration. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I moved to New York that it really clicked for me about like, wow, you have a following. You have 250,000 people listening to you. Yeah, Like they want to hear what you have to say. So what value are you going to give them? Yeah. Really? So yeah. before you got to New York, that's not really something you thought about It much, was huge, or? like petite fashion. I loved that. Yeah. But when I moved to New York, that is when I was, I really had to make the decision, like, how am I really going to impact these people? I okay. wanted to dive a little bit deeper than fashion. Interesting. So different points in your both of your lives in terms of what you were doing when you made the move. But it almost sounds like the moves actually precipitated kind of an opportunity to step back and evaluate what you wanted to do. Yeah. You know, at least for the the medium term. Yeah, definitely. And so comparing Chicago to New York as an influencer, what are the first couple of things that come to mind that make them similar or different? Oh gosh. Um, Chicago is very picturesque. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many great spots to shoot and it's so clean compared to New York. (laughs) And there's also so fewer people just out and about on the streets. So if you're, like Olivia and I and trying to get no one in the shot. Like mm-hmm. here you have to play the waiting game for like 15, 20 minutes sometimes oh, yeah. to try to get mm-hmm. no one in that shot. But 
again, here in New York is where brand, agency, influencer, everything's happening. Um, so I feel like it's definitely got a lot more going on in that sense. But Chicago is so great for creating and it, it does have a, a smaller and tight-knit creative community that I, I love and um, some of the most talented people that and some of my best friends are still there. And yeah. Chicago is also a really proud city. It's mm-hmm. it, yeah. because it's so like it's a smaller scale and it's tight-knit. Everyone, if you're kind of put in the effort and in the creative space, everyone kind of like will really help and lift you up just because they're proud that you're still there. And I feel like it kind of gets to a point where, you know, whether it's publishing and fashion, you get to a point and you kind of have to move to New York. Mm-hmm. Or if it's film and or tech, you move to San Fran or LA. Like sure. Chicago just is like, it's a very, um, it's a very proud city because if you stick around and, and brave the winners, like yeah. <laughs> everyone wants to build you up. That's great. It is. Chicago is great people. And we had a really tight knit community there, which is great. I think that having the community mm-hmm. in this industry is so important because yeah. you work together, you promote each other. Um, it's also lonely otherwise. It's lonely. Like you were talking yeah. about, yeah. And I think maybe we haven't been in New York long enough, um, but we ha- I haven't, I guess, personally haven't felt that sense of community yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it's it's going to be harder in New York than it was in yeah. Chicago for a variety of reasons. But like you said, like you fill your days with meetings and whatnot and everybody's so busy. You see people, the same people at events and you develop relationships. But I think it requires a lot more work. Definitely. To actually be able to go out and get drinks and do this and do that because there is always something going on every sure. single night of right. the week. Uh, the other thing that can be interesting is because there's so much going on, you feel like you're always working. And I don't know if you guys have felt that. You probably feel that already because being an influencer is really tough. But yeah, I there's think no off button. There is no off button. Right? <laughs> we realized that very early on. We would wake yeah. up and then all of a sudden it was five you o'clock. You realize that here in New York? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden the whole day's gone. But you also are living together. So that helps, right? Yeah. You guys have each other. A lot of people don't. No, a- yeah. absolutely. And I, I do feel like the first few months here, I would like scream at 4 p.m. I'd be like, how is it 4? Like, <laughs> we, we have still so much to do. Like, yeah. literally, how did the time just slip through our yeah. hands? Yeah. But I can definitely tell that we've both found our own balance. Yeah. We've been here for about seven months now. And mm-hmm. I do feel like it's taken almost that amount of time mm-hmm. to get adjusted to the balance of living here. No, absolutely. Some people take a lot longer. So seven months isn't so bad. Yeah. 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 That's great. Taking a step back, a broad financial perspective, one of the things you mentioned early on is it's more expensive to live here in New York. Because you moved to New York, are you able to command higher rates because the cost of living here is higher? Talk to a little bit to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I feel like I the last time I did bump up my rates, like I wasn't factoring in that you didn't, sta- yeah, that standard you didn't of go living. to the stats and say, well, it's a twenty five percent bump in cost of living. Therefore, you just kind of like said, all right, my audience has grown, and yeah, now's the time. Yeah, but I, I definitely like take that into consideration. I guess sure. Yeah, at the same time, like half the events and things we're going to, like there is an open bar, but in general, you know, yeah. drinks are fifteen dollars, and that's kind of standard. And yeah. Um, versus Chicago, which you'd find a drink for ten dollars. Ten dollars, yeah. But like, if Olivia and I were like going to go to a, a you know a decent dinner and get like a drink or two, it'd probably be like sixty, seventy dollars in mm-hmm. Chicago, and it's probably a hundred and hundred thirty here. So it's just yep. like mm-hmm. things add up. Yeah, mm-hmm. things add up. Mm-hmm. When I moved here, I was definitely anticipating the cost of living. Yeah, 
I, it wasn't so much that I was thinking like, I'm going to raise my rates. It was, okay, pressure's on. I am going to work my butt off so that I don't feel anxious about money or I, right. It was Mm -hmm. just like, I knew that I had to work so much harder. Yeah. So it wasn't really like a money thing. It was just like, I'm Mm going to do my best to drive in more deals so Mm -hmm. that I can keep up with this lifestyle. Right. Yeah. And you were talking a little bit earlier, John, about how you felt like you were hitting your ceiling. You know, one of the benefits of being in a smaller market is cost of living advantages. Sure. And so while you may not be hitting the revenue numbers, perhaps, that you could elsewhere, your cost numbers are a lot lower. So something to think about as you evaluate, you know, ability to, to move to different places, you know, you may never be creatively fulfilled, but it's something to, con- you know, take into consideration no, as you know, I, an influencer. Absolutely. I mean, I... My my rent was like half price in Chicago, so that yeah. was definitely mm-hmm. worth. You know, those last two years, I was factoring in like, yeah. okay, I'll kind of hunker down here and take this rate of rent because I know when I do move, it's gonna right, it's gonna go up yeah. substantially. Yeah, I mean, it's high risk, high reward, right? To sure. An extent. So, changing course a little bit to talk about advice that you would give to other influencers. So. Folks who are building businesses that aren't in LA or New York or Dallas, kind of the influencing hubs, what advice would you give them in terms of building their business? Um, I, I would say you do not need to move unless you personally feel like you need to move. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it helps business, but at the same time, like own that market and lean into that city because right. for, you know, with so many people in LA and New York, you see those cities in your feed, but like when someone has, you know, if you're in Savannah, Georgia, your content is going to stick out because it's something different. So if, right. you're, if you're really showcasing that city, mm-hmm. I say own it. But if it's if it's for them personally, if if they feel like New York or LA is the only option or that's where they need to be, you know, like mm-hmm. make sure that you're comfortable with this, whichever city you want to be in and, mm-hmm. and make the move if you think it's necessary. Should they visit before they move? Absolutely. I visited <laughs> Chicago once for my job interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily I, I loved it during the two days I was there. Sure, yeah. Um, I, but I probably been to New York probably 20 times mm-hmm. before. So mm-hmm. like... You had a good I, feel. I, I knew it kind of exactly what I was getting into, what I was giving up in s- terms of right. you know, space in my apartment and dirtier yeah, streets a and a little no alleys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, again, I think it totally comes down to them and if they're going to feel comfortable in a city like New York or like LA yeah. where it's... Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah, absolutely. Olivia, what about you? So like I said before, I think location is important. And if your content is really tied to your location, then that it's even more important for you. But yeah. if it's not, mm-hmm. I would say it really comes down to like soul searching and digging deep and finding what you're passionate about. Yeah. Because that is what is going to reach a bigger audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you really take the time to think why am I different? There are so many bloggers. There are so many right. influencers. What's going to set me apart? Mm-hmm. That is the key to mm-hmm. um, growing your audience, which is, you know, ultimately the goal for all right. of us. Right. I mean, so. if you're like you were in Chicago, you were focused on kind of the Midwest girl for a long time, right? right? And you're not going to, you know, be able to build a big audience doing that if you're living in Hawaii, exactly. right? Because you won't have the audience to read. But if you do that in a place like Chicago or Milwaukee or Minneapolis, like there are a lot of people in between those cities right, definitely. that are going to, you know, that you're going to resonate with. Definitely. And so it's a huge opportunity right. um, to hit a, hit a, hit a massive market. Right. Now, what about in terms of evaluating a potential move? Because everybody is, 
uh, kind of sucked in by Instagram and the the lovely West Coast, right? Living the LA life, being on the beach in a swimsuit or the New York life being, you know, here in, in uh, you know, the Big Apple. What, what advice would you give to somebody who's evaluating that move? I would say really figure out first in your mind what is driving you to think that you need to move. Mm. Is it a change of scenery? Yeah. Is it you just feel like you've always wanted to be there? Yeah. Just kind of really evaluate what it is because if you make the move and you do it for a specific reason, say your job, um, and you move there and you actually really don't even love the city or you don't even love the people, Mm -hmm. you're ultimately not going to be happy. Right. So I would just say... Um, figure out what you're doing it for uh, mm-hmm. and make sure that's a good reason to uplift, uproot and move your whole yeah, life. Yeah, because you're, you're going to get, at least in New York, you'll get burnout fast, you know? And I feel yeah. like if I know some friends and people who've moved to LA and I, it's, it's kind of the isolation that gets them more than the burnout of... So I, I feel like it, you really have to know kind of why you want to move there. And mm-hmm. hopefully it's not solely just business. Like, I, yeah. I, I think that, I don't know, it can be a good idea, but I think... If you don't love it, you're not... Oh, it'll be a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, because if you don't have, if you don't love what you're doing and you're in a bad place, like you're not going to have any motivation to create, right? And as an influencer, that's that's your job, creating or uh, documenting or whatever it is that you're doing. And if you don't like what you're doing, you don't like the people you're with, you don't like the city you're in, you're not going to have the motivation to do it consistently, right? Consistency is kind of the be all, the end all when it comes down to it. Uh, When you think about location... Let's talk a little bit about the differences between the men's space and the women's space. You probably have talked about this ad nauseum between the two of you. What are some of the differences and does location come into play at all in either case when you think about the differences? I would say John and I actually have like a pretty, would you say a strong Southern following? Just because you're from Dallas and I have ties to Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So that plays a part in kind of like our all-American vibe. And if you've never seen them, they they do look like all-American kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, at least for the in the men's space, I I feel like this the pool is so much smaller compared to women's that yeah. honestly, like I still get pulled in on deals and um, activations. I, I'm here in New York, but I, I'll still get in a brief if there's I've gotten a brief where there's like three or four guys on this project, and there's someone based. They're kind of like New York guy. There's someone there, LA guy, and I'm mm-hmm. they're the Chicago the or Midwest Chicago, person. Yeah. Even though I'm based here in yeah. New York, um, I guess my You're still lumped in. Yeah, and yeah. my I do most of my following, and I, I, I is still in that market, which is yeah. great. Um, so I, I I feel like it's kind of slim pickings in that sense. And honestly, I've had some brands reach out and say, "Hey, John, that I've worked with before." Say, "Hey, John, like love that you're in New York now. But wondering if you like had anyone that you'd mm-hmm. recommend in Chicago for in the men's space." And I honestly don't even have anyone to recommend. Like there aren't really? there really isn't even a, there's it's there's so no much one else smaller in, in, than the, in the men's lifestyle space. Yeah. Um. Really, I feel like most of them are buddies of mine that are like more photographers. Than, yeah, I'm trying to think of some of yeah. them. Yeah. Kind of drawing a blank too. Yeah. So in, <laughs> yeah. interesting. So, and I, I, I can rattle off like 15 women, but you yeah. know, not, not yeah. guys. Yeah. And again, that's kind of why I mm-hmm. got into it because I looked right. around and no one was kind of doing it. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I do feel like men and women are different ball games. And, yeah. But with location, I don't know. Well, quick sidebar on, obviously there are a lot more women how do you differentiate yourself in terms of, 
you know, what do you, what is it that sets you apart? So I told you when we started that, well, you saw that I'm 4'11". Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my cheerleading background, um, my focus on petites is really what launched my business and set me apart because there are so many amazing bloggers and women that are in this sector and they are doing such an incredible job. So it's competitive mm-hmm. and you just really have to search for your people, right. who you're going to reach because those are like your loyal people who are going to support you through everything. Mm-hmm. I would say that has really helped me is defining my market. Mm-hmm. And that and how- doesn't mean that I can not do other or not venture into other categories. Of course, yeah. I still do. I do a lot of lifestyle content and I, I have started to do a lot more writing lately. But mm-hmm. that is where I found my initial market and that has helped so much. Yeah. And, and what is it that allows you to create such a strong connection between these folks? So there's just like this unwritten short girl bond. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. We struggle with fashion. Like I can't even explain it. Like mm. I, it is so hard for us to find clothes. Really? That so fit. it's interesting because we had uh, Katie Storino on last week and we had uh, Lydia Hudgens on two weeks ago and they've talked about it from the plus size perspective. Right. And that gets a lot of press these right. days, rightfully so, I think. But right. uh, it sounds to me, it sounds to me like the petites are struggling just as much. I mean, my whole life, I have maybe two stores that I can shop online, order it, and it'll fit me when really? it comes in. Two, maybe two. Everything, my... Wow. Today, I, today <laughs> she was holding up a jumpsuit that was an extra small. Mm-hmm. And, well, this was an anomaly because it would fit me. <laughs> it was a little bigger. It was but, big. <laughs> but it was 11 inches too tall for me. Yeah, like... It was literally my size. Wow. I held it up to the mirror and we're, I, yeah. I'm going to get into it later, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's going to try it on. Check his Insta stories. But I just know that there is a market for short women that struggle with the same problem because mm-hmm. I talk to them every day. Yeah. We all have the same problem. I mean, we want to wear jumpsuits. We want to wear maxi dresses. We right. want to wear high-waisted pants that fit us correctly, but it is just, we have a different body type. Do you have any idea of the numbers behind it because we were talking to katie serino and she said uh 68 of all women are uh more than a, are 16 or above size 16 or above do you okay, have any i don't have the exact statistic but i know rough. it's over 50 percent of women are under five four really I, well should i look it up wow <laughs> <laughs> i know it i know that yeah so many women are five four and under mm-hmm. um and I've actually done polls on my Instagram before, and I there sixty percent of the girls following me are five three and under. Wow! Mm. So I know there's a market for it, and I mm-hmm. know it is such a pain point mm-hmm. when it comes. I actually cannot even enjoy shopping, really, because I can't find clothes that fit me correctly. And so yeah. I know when I buy something, it immediately has to go to the tailor before it looks good on me. Really? Yes. Wow! So how does that impact your ability to work with brands? It's tough. Um, I, de- I do try to always stick to brands that offer smaller sizes or more petite sizes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but obviously I want to wear everything. And so of course, yeah. I just know that it's a cost that I have to endure. So do you just build in a tailoring cost to everything you buy basically? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I do try to find like the items that mm-hmm. there will always be random items that for some reason they're made smaller. Sure. Um, and that's what's in my closet. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a lot of great companies are offering petites and I, you know, that's all over my website. So yeah. <laughs> if you're short. Yeah. Um, if you're short, olivierink.com. <laughs> 
So, but that's, it's, I'm so passionate about it. And I know the struggle of feeling like, you know, you can't wear something that you want or you can't go shopping and find something that's offered to you in your size. So I just want to help um, all the petite women out there mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah. get outfit ideas or find the brands that are going to cater to their size. It's really interesting. You know, I, I, this all started because I asked you, um, how is it that you kind of stand out amongst all of these female influencers and you've turned what is a big kind of pain point and negative in your life into a huge positive, right? You've been able to take this disadvantage and actually turn it into an advantage and a big following and becoming an advocate. And I think that's what the internet's all about. I really think it's about finding pain points, finding struggles, and being a voice for that group of people. Because there's always going to be people that you know, are just like you, you just haven't found them yet. Exactly. And I think as influencers, that is, that's the point. We are supposed to reach those people and be a voice for those people and find solutions to it, or at least provide a community where you can talk about it together. Yeah. Have a, have a dialogue. Right. At, At a high level, if you had to each give one piece of advice for influencers to maximize their business, regardless of where they're living, one tip that works wherever you are, what would it be? I would say to ask yourself why you're an influencer. Mm -hmm. Why are people looking to you for influence? How are you influencing them and how is it different? And what is your unique voice on Mm -hmm. how you're going to impact people or the world or whatever your passion is? You need to dig deep and find that and that will do more for you than I think that will do more for you than anything else. Mm, That's great. What about you, John? And and I I would tell you like, like, yes, it is a saturated place, but don't let that deter you. But also kind of like lean into yourself. The only thing that's going to set you apart from everyone else doing it is you. So yep. like your sense of style, the weird things that you like, like you got to be relatable. Right. And like Olivia was saying with being petite, like there's an army of petite girls that you would never know. Like that many women are petite and mm-hmm. other people like are probably going to enjoy weird things that you enjoy or like the style that you have. Um, so I, I think I would really just say like lean into into yourself, into your city, um, because that's at the end of the day is what's going to set you apart. It's really interesting. People say all the time that the influencer market is saturated. But the reality is we as human beings are so complex that no matter how many influencers are out there, nobody is going to match me one-to-one. But there are probably 15 or 20 that identify certain Mm -hmm. aspects with myself, my attitude, my likes, my dislikes. And so it really takes a composite of influencers to really get a full spectrum of who I am as a person. And that's why there is room for so many people, so many different influencers, because we're all so complex. Yeah, that's so great. That was deep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think think that's what makes it special. And that's one of the things that I really like about the industry. I think that it gets a bad rap for for a lot of different reasons. But one of the things that I really like is, first of all, these are all, a lot of these people are just super genuine, right? Like yourself. It's like, these are real people just doing what they love and having a perspective on things. Uh, and then two, you know, like you said before earlier, if it's good content, people will read it, watch it, mm-hmm. you know, consume Locked it, to it yeah. whatever fashion it is. Uh, and I think that's the great equalizer, right? They're, uh, the good will rise to the top and the bad will just kind of deal with Darwin, right? And, right. you know, it's all about the value that you're mm-hmm. offering. And 
Like John's, I think John is just so good at providing value just because he's such a fun and loving person. And that mm-hmm. comes off just because he's so genuine in his social media. It does, yeah. That people just mm-hmm. flock to it. They they want to read his quote in the morning. They want right. to see him being happy because it makes them happy. And it's right. just people will follow you based on who you are. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, absolutely. So one last question. That's actually a nice intro into our final question. From a business perspective, you guys are good friends. You live together. What is one trait that you have stolen from your roommate? that has made you a better business person, a better influencer, whatever it could be in terms Ooh. of your business. We were talking about, you know, Olivia quite hasn't quite picked up the zero inbox yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, mine, I already know mine. because She's I living th- with a good influence. So. <laughs> I think about this all the time, just outside of business and in personal life. John is one of my best friends because he is the most optimistic person that I've ever met in my life. That's awesome. He is never has a bad attitude. He never thinks something can't be done. Mm-hmm. He really just like has that attitude with him at all times. And I swear that is why he's so successful in everything he does. So I am kind of more of like a, a realist or am I pessimistic? I'm just... A, no, no, you're not pessimistic. No, I guess just like a realist and I... I'm pessimistic. I don't know. I just really, that is one thing just through our friendship um, that I have tried to copy him on Mm -hmm. and um, think of what could happen instead of, you know, the good thing that could happen instead Mm -hmm. of the negative outcome and just giving people the benefit of the doubt at all times. Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna tear up over here. (laughs) Um, One thing that I love and respect about Olivia is like I'm, and not many people know this about me, but I'm pretty indecisive. Mm. I'm just bad at pulling triggers on sometimes even little things. But um, Olivia can be so decisive and set in her way when it comes to what something that she thinks she deserves, like rightfully so. Yeah. Or even if it's like she just is on a mission about certain things. And I respect that so much because I, for so, in so many, like not just business, but so many things in my life, I'm like not set on things. Sure. And I'm so afraid like to make a commitment to whether it's like meeting a few people for dinner on a Tuesday night or mm-hmm. what, you know, what kind of dresser we're going to put in the living room. Um, <laughs> I'm just so indecisive. So she, she'll she see something and it's like mm-hmm. so powerful. She's, she'll When she knows what she wants, she'll say, mm-hmm. yep, that's it. We need this here. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I think her, dis- her decisiveness about... Um, and I guess that comes to like your vision about right. mm-hmm. about your Having, life or yeah. yourself and mm-hmm. what conviction. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Conviction. Absolutely. Yeah. And conviction can come in many forms because it's clear uh, for those who are not in the room, which is everybody listening, um, <laughs> that they both have incredible conviction around who they are as people and influencers. So, you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up. But yeah. um, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us really quickly before we finish, where should people find you? My website is oliviarink.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. My handle is Olivia Rink. And then my uh, handle on Instagram is johnphilp3, John P-H-I-L-P-3, or my website, uh, riskyjackal.com. It's a menswear and travel blog. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, yeah. thanks so much for joining us. It's been great to have you both. Thank you so Thank much, Thank you Rich. so much. It's been great. Thanks again to Olivia and John for joining us today on Influencer Business. A few key takeaways that I want to mention. First of all, you can build an audience anywhere. What you really have to do is focus on finding your niche, leaning into yourself, as John puts it, and figure out what sets you apart from the other influencers in your business. 
Number two, you should focus on being happy because if you're happy, you'll be motivated. And if you're motivated, you'll be able to consistently produce content and really give your audience what they want. Finally, being an influencer can be a lonely endeavor. So wherever you are, whatever city you live in, make sure you find a group of people who can help you as you look to build your business, whether they're influencers or not. As always, if you like what you heard today on the podcast, give us that five-star rating and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate it. Big shout out to my guy, Pete Crimmy, for always making us sound better over the podcast than we do in person. And make sure you head over to TroveBusiness.com for all of this and more. We have everything you'll need as you look to grow and build your influencer business. Thanks again for joining us this week on Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Scudelari, and we'll see you next week.